You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me personally, I put really high expectations on myself and that can get really stressful. And many times it's kind of hard to talk to friends and family members about those things. And I need to speak to a professional. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash BGN. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health. For Black Girl Nerds listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash BGN. That's betterhelp.com forward slash BGN and get 10% off your first month. tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. We are taking a break from recaps of Umbrella Academy and we will resume episode two next week. On this episode, we're going to feature two interviews that you may have seen on our website in print form. The first interview features actor Renee Elise Goldsbury and her film Waves, the A24 film that premiered last year an independent movie that made waves among film critics. The second film is by Megan Good called If Not Now When. Not only is she acting in this film, but this is actually her directing debut. She co-directs the film along with Tamara Bass. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these throwback interviews from blackgirlnerds.com. You can check them out. And we will see you next week with Angelica and Ryan with recaps of Umbrella Academy. Renee, you're on with Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Renee. How are you doing? And how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, uh, kind of mixed feelings today, given what's going on with the news. But uh, I know. I know. I'm here in L.A. feeling very um, desperately sad yeah 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 but it's it's great to talk to you 
Um, and this film, oh my goodness, gut-wrenching. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Incredible, incredible work. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing this project with us. Um, so yeah, let me, let me dive right into these questions here. You know, Catherine perfectly embodies how to be a step parent. Can you speak to the way you were able to portray a loving stepmother to Tyler and Emily versus what it might have been to be their biological mother? I relate to Catherine because I there was a large the long period in my own personal life where I, I really questioned whether or not I was going to be able to have children. And I read the script and I I assume that she also was wondering will I ever have children and then she meets Ronald with these two young kids who desperately need a mother their biological mother having died when they were when they were very young so I feel like she feels that they are an answer to her prayers and I believe that they feel that she is an answer to her to their prayers and that's really beautiful and that's pretty much the extent of it in terms of being a stepmother I think it's undetectable in this film that she is a stepmom because it doesn't matter after that um I think the love that you feel for your child is the love that you feel for your child regardless of how the role of motherhood came into your life there's there's many roads to being a mom and, and one of them is biological um she is their mother because of the role that she plays in the family and i loved her as Catherine the way i love my own two children like you know more than my own life um and i think the only reason why it's relevant in the film is because it just shows how much pain the son is in when he he tries to step he tries to hurt her in that way he uses that he calls he yells at her you're not my real mom mm-hmm. because he knows it will hurt her because he knows it's the thing that he could say to her that would hurt her more than anything else in the world which shows how untrue it is absolutely there and there's one scene where we we see tyler uh reject Catherine in that way where he he says that that you're not my mom and and the amount of love that she, you know, still has for him, even in that moment. And being a mother yourself, was that a difficult moment for you to tackle? It is. Um, I, I love that it's there because it's real. Um, it's something that I think you have to deal with. You have to be, I, I, I assume, I have young children. I have a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. But my assumption is that, you know, as children go into adolescence, you have to brace yourself for greater battles the stakes are higher and there are greater battles ahead and um and there's a possibility of of really saying hurtful things you have to brace yourself i'm i'm bracing myself for the possibility of that in my future as a parent and ready to love them anyway you know and um that's that's what we do um and i uh i love the fact that uh she there is absolutely nothing that he could throw at her or do that would stop her from being his mom you have a a very extensive body of work in both film and television by the way i loved you in the henrietta Lacks hbo story yeah (laughs) um that was great and um you know you're obviously most recognized from your stage performances a uh, big Hamilton fan here. Uh, but <laughs> what what are the differences in preparation for a Broadway show versus on-screen dramas uh, such as Waves? We have an opportunity to work all together in a cast 
um, on in theater. Um, we get to see everyone else's work because we're pretty much there most of the time. Um, we have a tremendous amount of information um, at the beginning um, when you're doing um, when you're do- in the theater, and um, and then obviously we get to we get to work in order. You know, we get to tell the story in order, and we get uh, an immediate response from an audience. Um, that's really the difference. That's pretty much the only difference in film. Um, one thing I miss is that I, I don't really get to see the genius work that other people are doing until I see the film because I'm not really there if I'm not shooting that day. And you have to make some decisions about the emotional journey because you're probably going to shoot it, you know, based upon the location as opposed to in order. And um, but it is lovely in film that our um, our work is preserved in a place. You know, if you didn't see me in Hamilton, I just have to tell you that I think it was really good. You know. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can, you know, you own it and you can make your own decision. And also, I think what's really cool is I get to see, I get to see the work that I did, um, which is really uh, special. But in terms of the preparation, it's uh, it's about the same. It's really the same. And the joy of it is is working, um, you know, collaboratively in, in a family, bringing, bringing to life a piece of art. Were you immediately attracted to Waves after you read the script? I was immediately attracted to the idea of getting to meet and work with Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how quickly can I get to Florida and do these scenes with him? And because he's just a beautiful human being. And you can tell that even if you don't know him. Mm-hmm. If you've ever heard him talk, if you've ever heard him interviewed, you can tell it just in his work. You can see the spirit. And um, he's, he's just, he's everything you would want him to be. He's just a wonderful human being. So that was the most attractive thing for me. I'd heard that the filmmaker was a genius because everybody I know that saw his first film just you know, realized, you know, the talent that was there and were so excited about him. Um, what I was concerned about was the fact that I didn't know that the world needed to see any other imagery of a young black man doing anything violent. Um, we were all very concerned about that, and we spent a lot of time talking about it. And Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Trey Edward Schultz, the director, spent a lot of time really creating an authentic you know, character and re- and the relationship being really authentic and kind of, um, and all of the issues that are there being really, making sure they were very organic so that you never lose sight of this being a three-dimensional character. You never, it's, it's really, I, what I have not seen anybody do yet, thank God, is write this young man off. Um, no matter, you know, any demographic has seen this film, you know, when things go bad and he starts making the worst mistakes, nobody writes him off. People still see the humanity of him, and that was my concern. I'm grateful that they chose to take the risk and cast this film with a black family in spite of the potential danger of, of, of you know, kind of revisiting some stereotypes that we, we don't want to see. Yeah, I had read that, um, that the director and um, Kelvin had... <laughs> definitely talked about his own experiences, uh, Kelvin's own experiences, uh, to kind of make sure that those were very organic, as you stated, so that they were, you know, real. And and I, I really appreciated and that because it felt that. I, I love the fact, yeah, it's, it, it's very specific to a black family. Yeah. I love that. And yet it's still very universal so that everyone can appreciate and, and see themselves in the film. What, what do you hope families will gain from Catherine and Ronald's marriage and how they treat their children? A friend of mine saw the film last night and she was really shook as a parent and she said, I, I 
I'm taking from this film that I need to be more mindful of the silences of my children. I think we need to make sure that children understand, our children understand that we are not the judge, that, 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 that we are their advocate, and that we need to give them the room to disappoint us and to fail and to make bad mistakes. We need to communicate to them that my disappointment or frustration from whatever happens is not what you need to worry about. You know, what, there are real consequences in this world. This world can be a dangerous place. You can be a danger in this world and the world can be very dangerous to you. And it is my job as your parent to advocate for you. That is my first job. That is my last job. And I hope that, that um, parents can, can work together in their different parenting styles <laughs> to figure out how to better do that. And also just in the grieving, um, you know, you don't know when you marry somebody that you have to be compatible grieving and this couple has to figure that out. And, uh, they are, they have two different styles of dealing with tremendous pain. And it seems to me in the end of this film that they've learned to stay together and work on it. And I, I hope that's an example for couples out there that are also dealing with, um, with tragedy. Oh, and Jamie, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but that's all the time we have today. That's actually all of my questions. Renee, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. I really hope that A24 campaigns hard <laughs> during awards season for this film Me because too, it does deserve all the awards. So all the best oh, to you and the so team. Sweet. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> I, I, you're lips to God's ears. <laughs> all right. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Um, this film was so beautiful. I really enjoyed watching, uh, you know, what you and Tamara have crafted together. And congrats on your, your feature film debut that you're sharing with her. What, what inspired you to direct this movie? Um, the crazy thing is, is that I started directing in 2012, um, a music video for my cousin. I told him I'd help him produce it and I'd get this director to do it. And, you know, if this director for some reason couldn't, then I would direct it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, and uh, this director wasn't available. So I ended up directing it. And I, man, I fell in love with directing like right off the top because it's just, it's not really about you. It's about serving the art and serving the actor. And um, it's more service, you mm -hmm. know? And so, um, that's when he fell in love with it then and then directed a bunch of videos after that and then Tamara and I have been trying to get another film um, off the ground for man a long time and um, and then we kind of switched gears and we're like okay let's try this because what do we really want to say as filmmakers and what we really want to say is really about you know women empowerment and self-love and what do we deserve and how do we you know hold each other down and help each other kind of um, get to the, the next season in life and walk in purpose. And so um, started putting this one together and then um, had some incredible people kind of come in and support us. And then we had a director um, who was going to direct the film and kind of in the 11th hour she fell out. And so me and Tam were talking and Tam was like, you know, we had discussed directing this before in the past. What do you think about it? And I was like, man, let me pray about it. <laughs> and so I prayed about it. Um, for almost a month when I was um, in Toronto shooting Shazam. And when I came home, um, God told me three times that this was the right thing. Wow. And so um, 
So I was like, all right, CC, I'm ready. Let's let's do this. And um, and I'm really, really, really proud of it. And really proud of like what both parts of our brain kind of paid attention to, which in a lot of ways were very similar, but then also in a lot of ways were very different. And so we were able to attack it from both ends um, with a lot of mutual respect and a lot of love. And um, it would put together an incredible cast. And yeah, just super happy. Like one of the best experiences um, to be able to work with these actors and to bring this project and, and also just these women's stories to life that don't really get explored um, in film or TV in this way. I, I asked Tamara what she learned from her experience as a co-director, and she said that she learned how to compromise. What did you learn? Um, I think how to trust, you know, the process of like, you know, as I was saying earlier, I think you do, you do have to learn to compromise, obviously, because there's two people and, and they may have a similar vision, but it also might differ a little bit. Um, and for me, I'm used to kind of doing everything on my own. I trust myself more than anybody. (laughs) Um, and so learning that God allowed us to do this together because we both have so much to bring to it that the other can't bring the same way. We both have our, our strengths and our weaknesses. And by doing it together, we create something absolutely unique because there are, two forces working you know together as one so i think just learning is just trust that like man what we're bringing individually and collectively that's going to be the magic right exactly your your character tyra is going through a difficult time struggling with addiction how did you prepare for this role and is there a scene that resonated with you the most while filming um, well, I've had, I have friends who have struggled with addiction, um, and I've seen that journey and I've seen, you know, what it can do and how it can tear families apart and relationships apart and just the damage, um, that it leaves kind of in its wake. And so, um, I used some people kind of as, as study, um, as kind of my, I guess you could say my case studies. And then I also just did a lot of research on specifically, you know, what the addiction that she had did um, to you physically, um, emotionally, mentally, what kind of uh, behavior that it breeds. And then I just went into the character as a whole. Who was she before any of this happened? And then if she takes on this type of addiction, what does it look like for her based on her life experience? Um, And so for me, I guess the, the, the biggest theme was just being honest and raw and not being afraid to be unlikable because um, mm. I tend to, to, to like to be likable um, and with her I had to just have complete freedom to say you know this is how this character's feeling and in this moment she is selfish and in this moment she is putting what she thinks that she needs first and other times she may think that she's not being selfish but um, it's a lot of self-realization for her and really having to hold that mirror up as she's in the film and, and look at herself for what's really going on. And so just, just being raw and not being afraid to be honest about the ugly that she was feeling and experiencing. Has the directing bug bit you at all? <laughs> Is this something oh, yeah. that you plan to pursue in your career? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love directing. Like I love 
not coming to set and going through hair and makeup and all that stuff. I love just coming like in my sweatpants and my hat and being able to really create and dig in and break down a script and break down characters and just like show up for other people and figure out how do I want to put this puzzle together and how do I trust all the instincts that I've learned over the past 30 years that I didn't even realize I had as a director. Mm. Um, Because the first time I directed something, I thought I was going to throw up. I was terrified. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I know what I'm doing. And then, you know, as soon as you get started, you're like, oh, okay, I may not know what that's called or what that lens is, but I know what I want. I know exactly what I want. And so as I began to articulate it, I realized that I knew a lot more than I even could have imagined. This question is very important for me as a person of faith, also working in the entertainment industry. How do you balance your faith-based principles and deciding on what projects to take on? Because I imagine it's not easy. Yeah. I ask God, you know, if I have any reservations and I'm, I'm not sure, I pray about it. You know, as I did with this film, I was like, this feels like an epic opportunity, but I need to know that God's in it. I need to know that I'm doing what he wants me to do so that as I go along and I, you know, find moments where I'm struggling or I don't know how it's going to work out, I know that it will because God told me to do it. Um, And so, you know, God is first, period, point blank. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I love what I do for a living. I love what he's allowed me to be able to do and to be able to do consistently. But he's number one. So I make sure that any decisions that I make, I'm coming before him first. And I'm making sure that um, even if it doesn't make sense to other people, they might be like, oh, well, why'd you do this horror movie? And I'm like, I have my reasons. And me and God have talked about it. So we good, you know. <laughs> and um, and that's just, you know, how I move and live my life. And there's been jobs where even something I wanted to do and God was like, that ain't it. You know, and I'm just like, oh, man, okay. well, every time, you know, something goes away, something better comes when you're obedient and when you make it about him first and you don't want this industry um, more than you want him. Right. There's there's something in my own prayer life where I'm always asking for discernment because I'll pray for things and I don't know if that's the thing that I should be doing. And you had mentioned that God told you three times that this was the project you should work on. So what what were those moments where you knew and got that confirmation that this was what you were supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, I have been praying and praying for weeks. Um, and just as I was sitting there and I was just being quiet and I was listening, I heard God say to do it. And then I was like, okay, I was like, you know, Lord, I'm, I heard you, but I'm going to have to shut down my whole life. You know, I got to live and breathe this movie, um, and put everything I have into it. So like, you know, in the Bible where, you know, the man prayed and then the angel came and the angel told him and he heard the angel, but he said, Lord, I need a sign, you know, uh, uh, make it rain everywhere or, but only, or something like have dew on the grass only in this one spot mm-hmm. or everywhere except for this one spot. And then God did it. And then he was like, okay, yeah, I see one more sign. How about <laughs> it only is in this one spot and not anywhere else. And God did it. And I said, yeah, Lord, I need that kind of sign. Right. I just need to be positive. Um, and so, yeah, after I decided in obedience that I was going to say, Hey, TT, let's do this. Um, we have been waiting for the money for the film for eight months. 
eight months mm-hmm. and um we lost our director while we were waiting and you know things felt a little bit shaky but um, I was just like, Lord, give me a sign. And so when I went to meet up with Titi and I told her, hey, you know, God told me to do this, um, the bank called eight minutes later and they said the money just hit the count. Wow. And I was like, okay, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What what new projects can we expect to see you in coming up? Uh, well, I have a film called Monster Hunter. It comes out um, next year. It's uh, based on a video game. It's with myself, Mila Jovanich, um, T.I., uh, a couple other great people, Tony, Tony Ja, um, and just super excited about it. I wanted to really um, continue in the action space, and so for me, it was cool because, you know, I got to play a soldier and get to, got to do some really, really cool stuff, and I love the genre of sci-fi and thriller and um, you know, horror and all that stuff. And so it was a cool compilation for me. And then, um, yeah, waiting for people to see obviously this film and then just really kind of being selective about, um, what's next, because I think as I've gotten older and I think that's a part of why directing has become so big for me is that, you know, when you're younger, you just, you just want to get a job. You just want to work. And I think because I've been in the business for for over 30 years at this point, I don't want to just work. I want to be excited about what I'm doing. I want to know that I'm where I'm supposed to be and that I should dig in 1,000%. I want to be curious and I want to be stretched and challenged and just really excited to be there. And so as a result, I've said no to a lot of things and really just been like patient, um, and really preparing myself, you know, not just waiting for it, but like, how do I prepare for the things that I want physically, emotionally, spiritually, in my household, with my husband, everything. And so um, in this season, I've just been kind of selective and and looking at some great things, but just kind of like, you know, I'm not sure what the next thing is yet, but I'm excited about it. Well, we're excited for you, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds, and thank you to you and your husband for just being unapologetic in your love for Christ and being successful in this industry that oftentimes, uh, you know, we don't see that representation or people are against it, and uh, it gives people like me hope that, you know, you can do this and do the work and and still be successful at it, Um, so thank you for that. Thank you, and uh, it's so crazy because I think the funny thing is, is the more we lean into that, like our identity in Him, I think the more successful we are at the other things that we want. You know. Yeah. Um. So thank you for that, because you know you you would think that one knows, but when when someone tells me something like what you just said, it just for me is confirmation and it's encouraging and it. And it's, it, it blesses me as, as much as you were expressing that it blessed you. So. Yeah, absolutely. You're making an impact. So I, I love listening to your interview on Oprah's Super Soul um, Sunday. That really moved me in a huge way. And I've been listening to Pastor Franklin's sermons online. So you guys are doing really great work. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All Appreciate right. It. All the best at Urban World and um, have a great weekend. <laughs> you too. Okay, take care. Bye bye. You too. God bless.
The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.